Welcome to Parashah Study, Parashat Vayahi. Today I'd like to do something a little bit different than we normally do. Look at a whole series of Pesukim, a conversation between Yosef and Yaakov. We'll look at the conversation, we'll ask a couple of questions, and we'll see what Rashid does in a very genius way in order to answer the questions that are presented by the Pesukim. We have Yaakov and Yosef are talking, this time it's the second conversation that they're having. The first conversation, Yaakov already asked Yosef to bury him in Egypt, and Yosef swear to him. This time, Yaakov is sick. Yosef hears about it. He comes and he brings Menashe and Ephraim to go get a beracha from Yaakov. And Yaakov starts speaking then. God appeared to me, gave me a I'm going to make you into Kal Amin, right? So I'm going to expand you. Now, this is keep in mind, this is This is what after Yaakov already has 11 of the 12 Shivatim, and Hashem is promising him, I'm going to make you into a Kal Amin play. There's going to be more people that you're going to have. And I'm going to give you this land as an inheritance. And therefore, Yaakov tells you, Yosef, They're going to be, and this is obviously based off of Nashi, but this is not the part we're going to focus on. They're going to be the children that were promised to me. Ephraim and Menashe, who were born to you, they're going to be considered my children because God promised me I'm going to have more children. I didn't have more children. So I'm selecting Ephraim and Menashe to be my kahal amin. But any other children that you have past Ephraim and Menashe, they're going to be considered your children. They're not going to be considered my children. They're not going to be part of the Shivati. So in different words, Yaakov comes, tells Yosef, by the way, Ephraim and Menashe, they're considered my children for the purposes of getting the halah and Eretz Yisrael, the land that Hashem promised. Okay, fine, very nice, beautiful. And this makes sense. We might expect, we would expect that the next thing that will come is Yosef. Okay, they're here, please give them a beracha. And which indeed happens a little bit later. Hamal acha go'elufi. But then Yaakov adds in a pasuk that's very odd. When I was coming from Padan back from Lavan's house, when I was coming from Padan, Rahil died in the land of Kenan on the road, a distance away, a distance away, distance away from Ifrat. Rashi assumes it's a small distance. Ramban agrees that it's a small distance once he gets to the land and sees where it is. And Yaakov says, I buried her there in the flat he bit Laham. And then he goes for Yadisel Yosef. And then he sees, looks at the children of Yosef. Well, obviously, the obvious question is, well, Yaakov, what are you talking about? Why are you mentioning in the middle of a speech about how important Ephraim and Menashe are to you? Why are you mentioning the idea that Rahel died in in Derech Ephrat, and you had to bury her there. Well, who cares? Well, what does this have to do with anything? And then he moves on. Oh, but Yadisel Bnei Yosef, but you want to be ill. Also, he takes on Yisrael. No, the pasukim is called Yaakov. Now it's Yisrael, like this more prophetic way, ready to give a beracha. He sees Bnei Yosef, but you want to be ill. But you want Yosef Elabi, but him. 
They're my children. Asher natanu yilhim bazeh, that God gave to me. Ba'yomar kachem na ilai, v'avarachim, oh, very good, I'll come, I'll give them a beracha. Okay. What do you mean? You didn't know the Yaakov's children, seemingly the pshat of the text. You didn't know, why not? Because Pasuk Yud comes to explain a little bit later. What he can't see, and like as an explanation why he didn't know who was in front of him. He brings them to him, kisses them, he tells him, and then he continues and he tells Yosef, and I never anticipated even being able to see your face again. God has seen me, shown me your descendants as well. Okay, cool. Very nice. So, the first question, why is Yaakov in the process of naming Ephraim and Menashe part of his 12 sons? Why is he telling Yosef about Rahel? Rashi says something fascinating. Rashi introduces and says, Right, and how Samuch kibdat eretz kibdat eretz al paim amah kibdat ahom shabbat idim unoshad darshan. Right, he goes. I know I'm asking you to bury me in eretz Kenan, even though I didn't do the same thing to your mother. Right, to to go burden yourself, but I didn't burden myself when I was burying your mother. I buried her samuch lebit lehem two thousand amah outside of the city, which is a small amount. It's about a fifteen minute walk. Don't say that there was rainy and therefore they delayed me from not being able to reach the city and to go take her to Hebron, which is close to Bethlehem, so I could have done that. Even that I could have done, not just bury her in Bethlehem. Right? It was the time of the summertime, which the land was dry, and it came from the word kivara, kivrat, and it's the word kivara. The land was dried out, and therefore I was able to take her. I didn't take her though. But I buried her on the road. So there's two things. A, I didn't take her to Hebron to Ma'arat Machbila. B, I didn't even take her to the city to be buried in the city of Ifrat, which was right next to her. Even though they're both close, obviously the city of Ifrat, Bethlehem, closer to than Hebron, but they were both close. They could have taken heart to both places. Like Bereh Hashem, Baderich, right? Stressing the fact. I know you're upset with me. Know that I did it. Why? When they go to exile. She's going to help her children. How? They're going to pass that way outside of the land of Yehuda. And she's going to she's going to come and cry for them and ask for mercy for them. Don't worry. Your children are going to return. So how do we get here? Now she, off this one pasuk that Yaakov randomly, seemingly inserts in the discussion, now she makes a whole story of it. So let's go back to our story. Let's see what could happen. Let's see what our options are here. He's talking about Menashe and Ephraim having the Una Halal, and it's so beautiful. And he says, that Rahel died, and I buried her there. Now, there's some commentators who want to answer. You know why he's telling them that? He's telling Yosef that? 
because he's saying, look, I ended up burying her in the land that's going to be the land of Ephraim and Menashe. That's what some commentators try to say. It doesn't seem to be uh, Ephrat. It seems to be, depending upon where we understand it, Ephrati, is it in the land of Ephraim? Is it in the land of Beit Lehem, where we know it's in the tribe of Yehuda? But some people try to make that claim, okay. Rashi says, no. No. What's happening here? It's clear Yaakov is apologizing to Yosef in a way. That, sorry, I buried her there. And and in contrast to the request that he's asking Yosef to go make sure to bury him. Now, he didn't ask. The problem is that was a previous conversation. So it seems to be in this way. Yosef might think that that might be confused in a sense. Because you're telling me that Ephraim and Menasheh, you love them so much, they're the two grandchildren you select in order to be considered your children to be the fulfillment of God's promise that we spoke about in Pasuk Dalit and Hay. Yosef is wondering, wait a minute, do you really love me that much? Do you really love the children of Rahel that much? You didn't bury her with you in Ma'arat HaMachpelah. You buried Le'ah in Ma'arat HaMachpelah instead. Meaning, and it's a fascinating idea, that Yosef, when, once he's already in the framework of thinking about burial, Yaakov insisting he's being buried in Ma'arat HaMachpelah, so even though there's a, this different discussion about how much he loves Ephraim and Menashe, there's something bothering Yosef. You didn't bury my mother in Ma'arat HaMachpelah. Do you really love my children that much? It sounds like you do, but why didn't you do that? So Yaakov feels the need, anticipating these questions that Yosef has about the love of his father. Yosef feels, that Yaakov feels the need to explain to Yosef. And he tells him, listen, I want you to know something. I could have very easily done it. And this is in, in contrast to other Mepharshim who explain otherwise. Rashi interprets, yeah, she died on the road, very close to Ephrat. They could have buried her in Ephrat. They could have even taken her to, to Beit Lehim. I, I could have taken her to Hebron. They buried her. But no. I made the active decision to bury Sham, to bury her there. Where is it? On the road, specifically next to Bethlehem. I purposely made the decision. It was a conscious decision, says Yaakov. Now, if Yaakov is trying to explain himself, he didn't do a good job of saying that, oh, I, I purposely buried her there. Don't be upset. Don't think I don't love you. Of course I love you. I love her. But I purposely, what, what do you mean? So why? Right? Especially for Reed, Kibrat Eretz is a small distance, which it seems to be. That's what we know the geography of Eretz Israel. So therefore, there's clearly something missing here. And the rabbis point out to this insistence, this insistence on the word bederich. Bederich, twice it says it in the pasuk, it says the word sham, emphasizing the spot, that there's something about that spot that she needed to be there. And the only thing that happens to be, what do we know about it? We don't know. But we definitely insert a, a concept of prophecy to Yaakov, or Joel the Berachot, that he's going to give his children a prophetic, and therefore, when we find out later on in Sefer Yirmiyahu that it happens to be that there's a connection to where Rahel is buried, she's calling out to her children for her children, and it's fascinating, but it's referring to the Galut of the tribe of Yehuda, which are not really her children, but that's a whole other discussion about the greatness of Rahel Imenu. She's going to pray for them. 
and the spot that she is bringing up the zechut of Rahel Imenu at that point in time when Ami Sel are going to Galut, it's a very deep midrash. There's a lot to talk about why if she had all of the seven Avoti Mahot, she's the one specifically mentioned. But part of our answer is that as she is telling us that she's the one who's physically present there and not in Hadun in Ma'arat There's more to that midrash as well. But know how note how Rashi is reading into a pasuk realizing, sensing it's out of place, sensing it's lack of connection, and finding deeper meaning to the pasuk in order to make it work within the context that he's explaining something to Yosef, and Yosef should be happy about the explanation of what he's trying to tell him. The next Rashi, Rashi, he does something interesting. When it says, And he asks me, And Yosef tells his father, They're my children that God gave me. And then he says, bless them. So, which we explain simply probably because ya- ya- Yaakov can't see. But you know, she says differently. He wanted to give a berachat to them because he knew who they were. But the Shekhinah removes from him. Because he lost the Shekhinah because they're going to be evil kings. Yerovam, Ahav, who worship Abu Dazara and lead Am Yisrael towards ultimately destruction, the ten tribes, and towards Abu Dazara and destruction. Yehu and Banev from the tribe of Menashe. These are the main dynasties. Yerovam, Ahav, and Yehu are the main dynasties of the kings of the ten tribes, and they lead to ultimately to, to destruction. So Yaakov foresees this and he gets. He loses his ability to prophetically bless them because of the evil that he sees stemming from them. Where they come from? You have children; they're not worthy of berachah. This is going to be their future generations. And Yosef says, "No, says, God gave me through this. He gave me these children. What through this?" And she says, "He showed him Look, we're properly married, and maybe a little bit of an indication. I didn't sin with the mother as." The mother of Osnat tried to get to seduce me. Well, because she was saying, Yosef prays, and the Ruach Kodesh comes upon him. Okay, Nashi, what are you doing here? It's very simple. He can't see. That's it. Why are you inserting this whole thing? So it seems to be that she was bothered. But look at the Pesukim. In Pesuk Te, he sees them. Who are they? And he says, that God gave me. Whoa, 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 what's happening? Hey, we already know in Pesuk Hey. That he knows the Flam and Menashe Yaakov uses their names. So he knows who they are. But he's saying he sees them and he asks them, Who are they? And Yosef says, They're my children that God gave to me. Bazir. What, what, what are you saying, Yosef? This say they're Flam and Menashe. Why my children? Also, and I think this is the most perhaps important part, only in Pasuk Yud does it tell us that he's blind, which sets us up for Yaakov switching his hands. Yeah, Yosef thinks he's making a mistake, and Yaakov corrects him. But what's happening is, if Pasuk Yud is really relevant to our understanding of Pasuk Yud, put it before him, as the Torah will often do. Let us know Yaakov is blind, and therefore he can't see the children of Yosef. Therefore he can't see them. But instead, no, it says something odd. He sees them. But Yosef, himself, he's capable enough of seeing them. And Yosef understands that when he's asking me, he's not really asking about who are they because he doesn't name them Ephraim and Menashe. This is Banaihim. There could be a million different people. It could be he has other children. But rather, it seems to imply 
that he doesn't name them Ephraim Menashe, but Yosef understands very well what's happening here. Right? When you're talking about the name Israel, we're talking about a prophetic vision. And this is what Ashi is understanding, reading into the text to the, to the T in order to make sure that we don't give some superficial understanding to the text, but derive meaning from it. How could it be if you're getting a beracha? How could it be you have evil people coming from you in such a degree that you're going to read the destruction of the ten shivatim? And it's funny because later on, when Yaakov switches the hands, he says, I know they're going to be great, but Ephraim is going to be greater from, than Menashe. Why? Because Ephraim is going to have Yehoshua. Whereas the greatest person from Menashe is Gideon. So, okay, Yehoshua is greater than Gideon. So it's fascinating because Rashi is hinting to it. Are they all evil? No. And it's showing us the complexity of Judaism. You have Ephraim, you have, you have Menashe. They have Yehoshua and Gideon on one hand. They have Yerafah, Mahav, and Yehu on the other hand. Meaning things are complicated, destinies are complicated, and therefore it's something that Midrash draws us to through the Torah writing and Rashid turning our eyes, opening our eyes to pay close attention to the text. We're able to think about the complexities of what it means, the, the, the mixed legacies of Fraim and Menashe, which is something worthy of discussing as well. So hopefully these ideas were thought-provoking, how to read a biblical text, how to read a conversation, and Hashem, how to use the Midrash to kind of open our eyes to think about deeper ideas, which we just ask the questions, but it's not within the purview of our discussion today. Uh, but definitely, I think, what to think about based off these Rashis, and have a good day.